Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and today here I am joined by my favorite person, my wife, Gagana. How are you doing? I'm okay, thanks. Okay, okay. I am fired up on nicotine and peppermint, two of my favorite things, you know, and I'm ready to do it. I don't mean do it like they do it on the Discovery Channel, but (laughs) I'm ready to do a deep dive podcast here on the subject of dating and marrying a exotic foreign woman. So this is going to be a discussion of a chapter of my new book, which you guys are going to want to go and check out. The new book is entitled, Don't Stick Your Dick in a Blender, How to Meet a Nice Girl Instead from a Tantric Husband with a Better Sex Life Than You. And that would be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of a book that has been... A bit provocative, yeah. It's a bit provocative, a bit abrasive, and this is a book that you have been instrumental in inspiring In fact, it would not have happened without you. And so I did this chapter. It's about 15,000 words long. So I really addressed the subject of dating and marrying an exotic foreign woman in depth. I really went deep on it. And I'm not just uh, hypothesizing here. I'm certainly not speaking from the ivory tower on the subject because that's what I did. I uh, dated and married an exotic foreign woman. That would be my wife, Gergana, here. And so... Yeah, I'm pretty exotic to, to him because I'm Eastern European. Yes, very, very exotic. But here... I'm not exotic. Right, right, right. But you're exotic to me. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what matters. And you're exotic to me. And to and to and to the audience. So you guys are going to want to go and check out the book, which is linked below wherever you are listening to this podcast. The book is going to be available for pre-sale, and then in the near future, it's going to be available on Amazon.com. And you might be the kind of guy that's like, you know what? I'm not going to buy your book, man. Why would I buy your book when I can find all this stuff online for free? And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We'll just listen to what we have to say here on this podcast. And you are at the least going to want to go and check out the amazing book cover that has just been completed for the book. What do you think of the book cover? Oh, I love it. I actually want to have one of the items on it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you will. Yes, you but will. I'm not going to give give away anything else. Okay. You know, no spoilers, guys. You'll just have to check out the book and the book cover. So in this chapter, we're going to be covering a couple of things. So we're going to talk about, you know, what are all the really good, awesome things that are, you know, of course, advantageous about marrying an exotic foreign woman. And then we're also going to talk about all the downsides, because I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are, that already have an idea of what the upsides of dating an exotic foreign woman 
entails. You know, people see uh, Donald Trump and his amazing, elegant, beautiful wife, Melania, and they say, wow, well, that, that looks great. I think, that, I think that's what I want. You know, there's a lot of uh, people that are seeing the upsides of it, but there are, in fact, some downsides of it that I think need to be, you know, that, it, that I think we should really discuss. And so I think that after guys uh, at least read the ch this chapter of the book and, you know, hey, maybe guys will want to just pick up the book for this chapter alone because it'll help them to be able to decide if uh, dating and marrying a foreign woman is really for them because it's certainly not for everybody. There's there's some sacrifices that have to be that have to be made that have to be soberly considered when doing it. So I'll describe just a little bit of my journey. I've lived for eight years now abroad in five different countries. Consistently, I've met single American, Canadian, British, Australian, German, and Swedish men you know, what we would kind of categorically refer to as quote-unquote Western men. And so I've met these men fleeing the dehumanizing liberal feminism of their countries and seeking asylum with the unashamedly feminine women that can be found in Medellin, Colombia, Kiev, Ukraine, or Sofia, Bulgaria, where I live now. And these men are young ish. They are typically under 40 years old. And I'll describe these men. They are often handsome, social, thoughtful, and well-spoken, along with being economic winners. Often they are entrepreneurs running some sort of business or successful in good careers that afford them the privilege of traveling for months abroad to exotic places. And it really speaks to the sorry state of the sexual marketplace in quote-unquote first world developed countries that the creme de la creme of eligible bachelors are driven to spend thousands of dollars and months of their time to try to find something better than what New York, Toronto, London, Melbourne, or Denver, in my case, that's where I'm from, what these cities offer. And finding and marrying a feminine, family-minded girl in a poorer country is not just a pipe dream fantasy to sell you tickets. It's what I did, and I regard it as the best decision of my life. Nothing has made me happier in a deep, meaningful way than being married to a real woman. That would be you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in this chapter, I start by describing two hypothetical, but very realistic kinds of characters. Do you remember the characters? Of course. Okay, who are the characters? Steve and Barry. That's right. Okay. And do you remember what kind of guy Steve was? Yeah, Steve was athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did well with girls. Yeah, he did okay. He was in his twenties. Uh, yep. And no matter what, he went to Colombia. Yes. Yes. So in the book, uh, in the chapter, 
I start with these two guys. And so there's a guy who's a younger guy, a personal trainer in Columbus, Ohio. And oh he, yes, Columbus, Ohio. Yes, yes, that exciting, that exciting, wonderful place in America. And so he's a real good-looking guy, and he does okay with online dating. He can meet girls with online dating, and he can even get get laid off of online dating. But he he wants something more. He wants to like he wants a real girlfriend. He wants to get married eventually, and the women that he's dating with his do with his tinder hookups it's just it's they're just not going anywhere and so finally he gets frustrated and he says you know what i remember my buddy in college had this cute colombian girlfriend and she was you know a really nice woman she was actually feminine and then they got married and he seemed to be pretty happy with her so he decides you know what, I just need to take the plunge. I need to start learning Spanish and I should just go on down there to Colombia and I should try to meet uh, a woman. And so that's what he, that's what he, that's the journey that he sets off on. Maybe he could even star, you know, in a Colombian soap opera. Or he could have a cameo like my friend Max did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. And then there's another character, right? Barry. Oh, geez, I feel sorry for this guy. Okay, so Barry is a British guy. He's a bit older. He's in his mid-40s. And he's a guy in England. And he's been a real hardworking guy his whole life. He has a moderately successful business going as a real estate investor. And he is recently divorced. He married his college sweetheart. And over time, his college sweetheart, she grew overweight and they grew apart in their relationship. And because his wife was always so busy and focused on her career, they never actually ended up having children. And one day he says to himself, me and you are nothing but roommates and so they split up at that point i have a question yes you never said if barry ever tried to fix his marriage did he ever take his wife out to dinner did he ever talk to her about their marriage did he ever try to put whatever efforts you know to romance his wife a little bit or he thought that it was all on her to keep their marriage their, their marriage alive. Okay, okay. Yeah, really good question. So he made a bit of an effort, but not enough because Barry kind of went into the marriage with this foolish, or he at least over time developed this foolish mindset about his marriage, which was kind of that his job was to be a real workaholic and to provide a really nice life for her. And he ended up being financially successful so he could afford a real nice home for her. He could uh, afford nice restaurants. She could drive a new car. They could escape the the drizzly grayness of England and take vacations from time to time to warm, sunny places. 
and Barry thought that there was an implicit agreement uh, involved with what he was doing, where his providing for her and his providing of a, of a comfortable, sometimes luxurious life meant that she would give a damn about her appearance and that she would really prioritize staying, you know, attractive and fit for him and that he could kind of just, just a minute, that he could kind of just focus on being a really great provider. So there's, boy, there's responsibility on both sides of this failed a fictional relationship that is so representative of so many failed relationships. Go ahead. Yeah, but you didn't answer my question. Did he ever try to romance her? Uh, he didn't do enough. He didn't do enough, basically. So it wasn't her fault entirely. I mean, why would she keep up with her looks? Why would she do that if he wasn't interested in her as a woman? Sure, I would say I would say that he probably was, but over time, as I say, his wife's name was Polly, mm-hmm. and she grew, you know, uh, unattractive, and she lost her girlish figure over time because she, she, you know, there in England they have a, uh, you know, all sorts of GMO food, and they've got you know, five uh, G towers, you know, beaming um, EMFs into you know, everybody all the time. So it's easy. It's easy. Unless somebody is, unless a woman is very disciplined about her fitness and very, very selective about what she's consuming, she's going to lose that girlish figure over time. And so, um, yeah. So, so I think there was a, a mutual, uh, carelessness about the maintenance of the relationship there also him i didn't didn't hear you say that he was in perfect shape yeah he he, was overweight too so what kind of demands can he make um he can't make any demands right what i would contend what he should have done was from the start of the relationship uh make more explicit Make, make things a bit more explicit. Because like a lot of men, he uh, foolishly thought that him being a great provider meant that she would reciprocate with being in the gym five days out of the week. Right. And, Delusional. And yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's not what you get unless it's something that is, uh, that is explicitly stated, right? And so then, then what happens to Barry in the story? Well, first of all, he should be in the gym with her if he wants her to go to the gym religiously. Yeah, that's pretty much what we do. Although we haven't been to the gym quite as much since the coronavirus lockdowns. No, well, I have kind of a problem, but once that's fixed, I'll probably go back to the gym. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think that he can't demand anything unless he's himself up to, up to those standards. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's 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 more more or less more or less fair, I think. Yeah, but he wasn't in this case. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what happens to Barry after he gets divorced? After he gets divorced, he tries online dating, but it doesn't work for him. Yeah, and it he, really doesn't work for he, him. And he finds a sugar baby <laughs> because he can't. He can get another kind of normal girlfriend mm-hmm. because 
like I said, he's not the best looking young guy. And also, um, so yeah, so what he does is he says, okay, I'm back out on the dating market. It seems like everyone is doing these apps and dating websites now. So I guess that's what I got to do. And he signs up for a couple and he gets no interest whatsoever. And so he says, okay, well, you know, I'm a successful man. So I'm going to, you know, go and put on my dating profile that I'm a real estate investor and I'm going to show my, I'm going to upload a photo of me next to my Porsche and all my travel photos and things like that. And then shockingly, he has a very attractive woman that reaches out and contacts him. In her 20s, in her early 20s. Early, early to mid-twenties, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then she says, you know, hey, let's go and meet. And so he's real excited about it. And he goes out and meets her. And then she says, okay, Barry, nice to meet you. Thanks for the two vodka cocktails here. Here's the deal. I need sponsorship in the amount of 700 pounds sterling monthly. And I'm going to be your girlfriend, more or less, for that. And we'll see each other two or three times a month, and we'll sleep together, we can take some trips together. And then he says, well, okay, I don't know, this is kind of a perverse arrangement, but geez, you know, Polly cost me at least 700 pounds monthly, so maybe it's not so bad. And he says, but wait a minute, wait a minute, if you're going to be my girlfriend, why don't you just see me every month? And she says, oh, no, 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 no. I have other prospects. I have other you know, other sponsors. There's a rotation. Yes, there, there's a rotation of sponsors. I'm a sugar baby, you know. Mm -hmm. I sleep with other sugar daddies for money that they just sponsor me. I have needs, you know. Mm -hmm. And I can't really be your... Just, just your, your girlfriend, like... I can be monogamous with you. Right. And so then he says, okay. Then And then at this point, he's disgusted. He has a little bit of self-respect. And so then he thinks about one of his tenants in one of his uh, rental, rental flats there, who's this young Ukrainian family. And they, the husband is a construction worker and his Ukrainian wife is just a wife. And she just stays there and maintains the home. And she seems to be a very pleasant, uh, well-dressed, elegant woman. But he certainly helps her around the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's breaking his back, you know, five, six days a week at the construction site. So at this point, what Barry says is he says... Okay, this woman, he says, wow, I wish I could get a woman like that. And then, of course, he says, well, you know, there's a whole country of women like that, the, the Ukraine. And it's a shithole country. You know, the women there in the Ukraine, they're, they would probably love to have the opportunity to meet someone like me. And, you know, maybe they'd have the, they could even come and live here in the UK, which is such a better country than the, than the Ukraine. So... He goes out there on the, the internet and he goes and finds all of these websites and he says, oh, wow, look at all of these women here on these uh, agency websites that are just waiting to meet a man like me. And so then he goes down that whole rabbit hole. So uh, we'll catch back up. We'll catch back up with Barry's 
uh, particular saga there. Yeah, but I don't know if what what happens next. You didn't you didn't tell us. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll discuss that. Okay. So the one of the issues you want to look at is you want to consider if dating abroad will pay off for you because dating abroad is uh, costly. There's flights, accommodations. And the myriad expenses will add up to at least $1,000, I would say, at least $1,000 for an international skirt chasing mission. And here's the truth. The best indicator of whether this is going to pay off is how well you are doing with the ladies where you live now. If your life, if your love life is a barren desert at the moment, it's unrealistic to expect that it's going to bloom into an abundant oasis just because you took a plane ride. So the, uh, yeah, how you're doing with ladies, it's a, it's of course, it's an indicator of a couple of things. It's an indicator of your general level of attractiveness. It's indicative of the amount of action that you are taking to meet women. It's indicative of your your quote-unquote game, the level of social skills that you have. It's indicative of the social circle that you have. And it's just, uh, it, it's a little bit of an entitled attitude, I think, to say that, you know, well, I've, I, I think that women are more family-minded and more traditional in other countries. So as long as I go to another country, I'm going to start getting way better results than I'm getting here where I live. And so I would urge men, if you're not doing, if you have zero prospects, if you're getting zero action where you're at, whether that's uh, the USA, Australia, UK, whatever, it's... Um, you want to take some more action where you're at before getting on an airplane because it might end up being just a big waste of time to travel. And you may be kind of setting yourself up for success, for failure, if you don't have anything going, if you've got if, if you've got a bit of a kind of a scarcity going on with women traveling to another country, it's uh, it's it may not be fruitful for for you, and I suggest that men, if they're like, okay, uh, I think what I want to do is do a trip out to some other country, might be Philippines, might be Colombia, might be uh, Poland, who knows. I'd suggest that what you do is it, you're gonna be planning this out a couple months in advance at least, and ideally you should maybe be devoting some time to language learning. And what you're also going to want to do is do a bit of dating where you're at. Even if you found dating to be kind of fruitless and pointless, you're going to want to get a little bit of experience. You know, even if you just have to, you know, uh, go on Tinder, and I do have a chapter on Tinder, and I'm not a huge fan of Tinder, um, but you might want to just try to go on a couple of dates, even with women that you wouldn't in any that your good sense would keep you from actually dating go on a couple of dates and just get some get some experience with that dating with with talking to women 
with flirting with women. And what you can do kind of as a fun thing is just go on dates with women and then just try to disagree with them on everything. Your, your objective on these dates is not going to be to try to sleep with them or uh, even get them as girlfriends, but just just disagree with them on everything and just have a bit of fun with it. And you're not going to get second dates, I imagine, but you're going to kind of have some fun and you're going to get outside of your comfort zone. You're going to be like taking some social risks, which the international dating is definitely going to demand. So that's what you want to do. And then... Along with disagreeing, John, they can also offend them. Offend them, yes. This is, this is kind of important. The offending of women. There is a, there is a, subtle, there is a subtle art to offending women that pays dividends, isn't there? <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay, so a bit of good news, though, is that you can expect, when you're dating abroad, you can expect to upgrade a bit from what you're doing because any man out there, any red-blooded single man out there listening to this is interested in dating women who are, uh, who are more beautiful, younger, and I contend that younger is more important than more beautiful, uh, younger, more beautiful, and a bit more like traditional, a bit more, a bit more feminine. Uh, any red-blooded single man is looking to kind of upgrade in those three categories. And so the good news is that if you are dateable, if you are attractive enough, you for going from the USA to, for example, Colombia, going from, say, uh, the UK to maybe Russia, you're going to be able to upgrade in those areas by dating, uh, by, by dating foreign women. You know, that part, that part is true. You'll be, I think of, uh, there is this friend of mine, his name was Adam, and I knew him in Colombia. And he was, I thought he was a cool guy, but in a lot of ways, he was kind of a, a dorky guy. I'll have to show you pictures of him. He was a, I think a Forex trader kind of guy, computer geek guy, like a bit on the chubbier side, not the most uh, stylish guy that you've ever met. And I tell you, he, he was dating some hot girls there in Colombia. I was pretty, I was like, you would look at this guy and you would say like, in the USA, this guy would be getting like no dates whatsoever. And because he uh, spoke Spanish, because he was a fairly cool guy, fairly social guy, nice personality, like he was doing, he was doing pretty okay there. And so there is upgrade potential certainly by traveling abroad. So, I'm going to give you a list of places that you're going to want to consider traveling abroad. Argentina, Argentina, Armenia, Belarus, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. Say something in Bulgaria for us, please. In Bulgarian for us, please. Like what? Just say anything. Tell us, tell us uh, a sentence about the history of the country in Bulgaria, just so we can hear the beautiful language. Dobre. Mm -hmm. Merci. Yes, here in Bulgaria. Here in Bulgaria, we uh, often borrow the French word for thank you, merci, 
but the the proper Bulgarian phrase is blogodoria. Okay, so Brazil, Chile, Cambodia, Colombia, Croatia, Cuba, Czech Republic, Estonia, Georgia, Iceland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Moldova, Paraguay, Poland, Philippines, Puerto Rico, Romania, Russia, Serbia, Slovenia, Slovakia, Spain, South Korea, Thailand, Ukraine, Uruguay, Venezuela, and Vietnam. So in my travel to over 25 different countries, I've noticed that a harsher quality of life, political turmoil, war, violence, and scarcity of economic opportunity tend to correlate to a greater abundance of beautiful women. And this is not so simple as just saying that shithole countries have sexier women. Uh, Bulgaria, where we live, and the south of Spain, where I lived for two and a half months, both have a lot of beautiful women and are certainly not shithole countries. In fact, right about now, the USA is looking more, more shitholy than Bulgaria is, certainly, isn't it? Probably. So you want to look for countries where there's kind of this overlap of genetic and cultural factors that result in a greater abundance of, of beautiful women. And we, so you can of course go and Google search beautiful Canadian woman, women, and you'll see, you know, Miss Canada and, or, and all the runners up to be Miss Canada. And I'm sure that they are very beautiful. But what we're looking for is a place where the average young woman is quite attractive. And so there's a, there's a genetic factor to this. There's something called neoteny. Actually, John, not Miss Canada. Just to take a look at the female celebrities, they are much prettier than any supermodel in Canada. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Sure, I think I'd probably believe that. For example, a really cute, beautiful, and hot Canadian actress is Christine Crook. Okay. She was never a model, but she's hotter. She's times hotter than a lot of models around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I believe it. So you she want has the neo neonity neonity neotni the neotni. Yeah. Do you do you do you remember what that is? Yeah, the Asian the Asian people have that and it makes them look younger. Yes. Yeah, there's a genetic trait of younger of of being younger looking. And so this is why you go and watch a Korean movie or Korean TV shows and you say and there'll be like a woman who's like 45 years old, but she looks like she's <laughs> She, yeah, or she looks like she's about 22 years old. And this is because of the neotenous trait. And so you see this in Eastern Europe. You see this among Slavic women because hundreds and... Right, right. Yes, you're an exemplar of this. Because the the uh, Khans, the Mongol hordes raped their way across Eurasia and they spread a bit more of this neotenous DNA amongst thank the... Thank you, thank you, Chigis Khan. Thank you so much. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's history. Funny thing, mm. funny thing about history. And so you also want to look at countries that are 
illiberal. And you're going to say, well, you know, liberalism isn't, I mean, liberalism, isn't, isn't, there, isn't there some good things about liberalism, you know, like a classical liberalism? Isn't there some good stuff to that? And yeah, yeah, sure, there is. But the uh, first world countries, the Anglosphere, the English-speaking countries have gone full retard on liberalism. And what this has resulted in is it's actually resulted in real stark inequality in the sexual marketplace. Because in the past, there was this, uh, there was this equalizing, perhaps you could even kind of say like democratizing feature of Western societies, which I would mostly credit to Christianity, which was the, which was the nuclear family where you have, you know, uh, at a relatively young age, you have a young woman and a young man and they get married. And then for the most part, they're pretty loyal to each other. Maybe, you know, of course there's always going to be infidelity. That's kind of a universal feature of human relations. But for the most part, uh, Marriage created a situation where you had, um, where young people, where, where you would have kind of the, you'd have the opposite of sort of like the, oh geez, I'm going to be politically incorrect and call this like the African strongman effect, where you see in uh, a lot of cultures, which what I, which I would just called like more barbaric, less civilized cultures, you get a strong man. You get one guy and because he's bigger and stronger and more violent than everyone else, he decides that he's going to have 11 wives. And so then he just starts monopolizing a lot of women. And then you've got the men who are don't quite have as much testosterone as him and they never grew quite as big and strong as him and they were never able to you know, uh, imposes as much violence on society as him. And so then they end up being the incels of society and they don't get any women at all, which means that they end up, you end up with a more violent society. You end up with a society that's not making nearly as much progress. And you end up with, uh, yeah, you end up with women being monopolized by men. And this is really the situation that liberalism has produced in a lot of Western countries where liberalism has sold both men and women this lie that, you know, you shouldn't get married, you shouldn't settle down, you should be polyamorous, you should just follow your lusts and whims wherever they may take you and have all of these different sexual relationships. And so you end up with this uh, strongman effect where you've got the fuckboys, you've got the guys that are like top 5%, top 10% guys who are the best looking, who are economically doing the best, who maybe have, you know, the most Instagram followers. And as a result, they get to monopolize women in kind of these soft harems. And then these women become unavailable to the more average of Joes. And it kind of sucks, but that's pretty much what the deal is in a lot of the quote unquote, first world countries that are uh, seem to be rapidly devolving to me. And so you want to look at countries that are a bit more illiberal. And in these countries, you'll find that women are not so interested in really casual dating. Women are more interested in more serious relationships, right? Yes, that's true. Okay. Tell me a little bit about, for example, your expectations of me 
early on in our relationship? Well, here, most women and most guys, respectively, we kind of take it by default that we are seriously dating someone after the, let's say, third date. Mm -hmm. Even if we haven't slept with them yet. Mm -hmm. But let's say we have kissed. Yeah. And we are officially dating them. Like we are already exclusive with them. Mm -hmm. Even even if there hasn't been a a conversation about that. No, no. So all of my friends have been like this and they're like this. They meet a guy, they have like two, three dates with him, they share a first kiss, and that's it. They're they're just together, they're an item. Mm -hmm. And if she finds out that he's seeing other girls behind their backs, that's it for them. No, that's cheating right there and they just break up with him and they wish him all the best in life that's it Mm -hmm. that's how it goes here but of course there are people there are people who like to have open relationships but they talk about this in the very beginning Mm -hmm. but unless you talk about this and you share a kiss or let alone sleep with that guy <clears throat> or that girl. You are a nightmare. You're officially a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was kind of something that I kind of uh, had a bit of a bumble around because I, frankly, I probably didn't research the culture here quite enough before before I came. And so I didn't quite get that, that we, that you regarded our relationship as exclusive from about the third date on. I kind of thought, you know, well, you know, we'll just wait until we have a conversation about this. Oh no, had I found out that you had slept with another woman, John, or you had made out with her, it would have been over, Mm -hmm. like forever over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of thing that you're you're going to be looking for. And this is sort of a trade-off that you've got. Yeah, I wouldn't have cared if you if you had told me that you didn't know the culture and that you didn't know how it was in our culture and that's why you did it. It would have been over anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So in our situation, though, it, it all worked out. Yeah. It all worked out for the best. We ended up being, you know, real understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about some of the some of the some of the downsides here which is that there's going to be inevitable cultural differences and cultural differences are going to be a real challenge that you're going to run into and especially if you're looking for like a serious girlfriend if you'd like to find a wife abroad you need to think about what sort of sacrifices and what sort of compromises you're willing to make to overcome those cultural differences and so i will run through a couple of these many cultures are deeply alcoholic 
will her culture drive you or her to alcoholism? <laughs> Smoking is accepted and even encouraged in many cultures. Are you okay with her extended family sitting around the table uh, smoking during holiday dinners? Um, what about them smoking around your future children or your pregnant wife one day? Another thing that I found totally insufferable about Latino cultures, which I spent a lot of time in, is the loud music that they insist on playing all the time for no damn reason. I'm a person that I need a little bit of peace and quiet and tranquility every once in a while to just think and do my work. And it's just, people just love to play blast loud music there. So if you're thinking that you're going to go to uh, Mexico or Colombia and find your Latina princesita, you, you got to think about that particular trade-off. And you are also going to have to deal with your woman's family You'll find in more traditional cultures, uh, more of these illiberal cultures, that, you know, family is a real inevitable part of life. She's not going to abandon her family, you know, just for you. You're going to be dealing with your family. You are, uh, by marrying her or having a serious relationship with her, you are opting into a relationship with her family as well. And in many cultures, men, especially older men, have these massively inflated, yet extremely fragile egos. So they will, you know, they'll like you more or less because you're dating or you're with their daughter or their uh, their sister or whatever. And so they will want to sit around with you drinking and talking shit the way that guys do. You know, they do it everywhere in the world. But in these situations, you are just about guaranteed to say something that they'll find offensive. And they're not going to, they are probably not going to just let it go. They're not going to, you know, just let it slide off like a water off a duck's back. They are going to hold it against you. And they're going to kind of not like you for about a month or two. And you're going to just kind of have to, you know, let this go. You're going to just kind of have to shrug this off. And you're going to want to stay kind of, kind of useful to them because inevitably these people are going to, your extended family is going to need you for something. And then they'll, you know, then they're going to be forgiving you for that little cultural insensitivity that you committed. And that's kind of like a humility thing that you just got to swallow if you're going to be doing, if you're just going to be doing, uh, if you're going to be uh, courting women from different cultures and, you know, taking it, taking it seriously. So, uh, Northern European derived cultures, which is, you know, what probably a lot of the guys listening to this, you know, come from, are, are pretty unique in their work ethic. We really like to spend a whole lot of our time working diligently towards like a hard, ambitious goal that we have for a better life. And the further south that you go around the world, people just aren't quite as much into the whole working thing. People just, they take life a little bit more, a little bit more easily. They are just looking for any excuse to say, you know, hey, let's take a Wednesday off and let's just relax and hang out on a Wednesday and maybe celebrate something, do a little bit of drinking, watch a, uh, watch a soccer game or something like that. And so, 
you're going to have to set up some, some boundaries with your woman, with her family, with your social circle about saying, you know, hey, I have a designated number of hours and days of the week that I like to work. And unfortunately, I can't go and, you know, just take a whole Thursday off to, you know, celebrate something or, you know, hang around or, you know, do some social activity or, you know, either that or you're just going to have to sacrifice a bit of your workaholism. Workaholism never pays off. Sometimes it does. Well, not if you're a workaholic all the time. Like, look at Barry. Yes. Yeah, it didn't pay off for Barry. No. Oh, you know, returning to Barry. So the big mistake that I think with Barry is just the naivete. I think it's the men's naivete is what um, prevents them from finding love in a lot of situations. It ends up getting them uh, screwed. Men's naivete results in them becoming victims of all these romance scams that we've that we've talked about. And in Barry's case, uh, men's naivete will cost them their relationships and their marriages ultimately. So I really urge men to to not be naive. And unfortunately, I'd love to be. I'd love to be more optimistic about life and about relationships and uh, about women, but in general, cynicism is a bit better of a mindset to come to with at least, for example, with our relationships, I'm, I've left behind some of the cynicism because you're, you're really great. And I am. And uh, me and you have established a level of a level of trust, a level of intimacy. Me and you have an alignment of values, an alignment of mutual of, of mutual goals. Uh, and so I've left behind a bit of cynicism. But in general, cynicism is a is a mindset that's going to be a whole lot more productive for men who are you know pre alter. You know, once you get married, once you're into that real committed relationship, then you can leave behind some of, some of that cynicism. But the cynicism and the skepticism is, an, is, is a mindset that's going to yield men, uh, frankly, doing a lot better and actually getting the kinds of relationships that they're looking for. Well, same with women. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. They should also be kind of cynical when it comes to guys. Mm-hmm. So they should not be naive. So in regards to these cultural differences, I think it's really important that you and the exotic foreign woman that you end up with, that you share some values that are greater than yourselves. If you're just in this for your own, you know, because of what you want, then that if you're just in this with kind of a self-centered, a self-centered view of courtship, it's probably not going to be enough to overcome the cultural differences that you're going to be struggling with. You, there needs to be something like a, a desire to forge a family together, a desire to have children, uh, shared faith. These are the kinds of things that you're going to need to share because there is going to be some, some compromise on both sides for, for getting past these, 
these cultural differences. Yeah, for example, some people don't want kids, they want to be child-free, and the other, the other person, they want kids, so I don't think it will ever work between them. Yeah, that's. I think that's kind of a deal-breaker. Exactly. And unfortunately, there are men and women who get married, and one of them says, after getting married, one of them says, Hey, you know what? I I want to be child free. I don't want kids. And the other one says, "Yeah, but I want to be a parent." Mhm. Um, uh, what are we doing together then? Yeah, that's a conversation that in our case, we when did we start talking about kids? Probably like right after I think we started talking about kids actually pretty early in our relationship, discussing the the possibility, discussing what we would do about it. No. Actually, you told me you wanted to have kids, and I said that I wanted to have kids one day, but that's exactly how you kind of, kind of, I'm saying kind of, proposed to me. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Because he didn't propose to me. He just announced to me that we were <laughs> going to get married, if you don't know that, that little detail. That's right. Actually, I'll delve into that little episode in, in the book, and I'll explain <laughs> why, why the heck I did that. Okay. So let's uh, discuss a couple other cultural things. So you need to share a language. For some reason, a lot of men out there who are really interested in doing the dating abroad, finding a foreign wife thing, they have this, this crazy delusional idea that they can find a woman and, and marry her or get engaged with her before they speak the same language. And this is just retarded guys. Sorry. That is just it's not going to it's not going to work. You need to share the same language because you're not going to you might be able to do like a first date or maybe a one night stand. Maybe a one night stand, not sharing the same language. You might be able to pull that off using a combination of very seductive body language and Google Translate. But having a real relationship, you need to be able to say, hey, babe, how was your day? And have a conversation about how each other's days were. And you're not going to be able to do that on Google Translate. So you either need to go and start studying Spanish or Russian and learn her language, or you need to find or a woman. Chinese. Chinese, I do not think a lot of guys are going to China to try to get... Maybe wives. not now, maybe not now, you know. The, the scare is way too much. <laughs> yeah. So in your research of where to try to find a foreign wife, you're going to want to look at what percentage of young people speak English. So if it's like Latin America, it tends to be something like 20% of young people Whereas here in Eastern Europe, it's, I'm going to say in between about 50% to uh, 90%, depending upon where you're going. Here in Bulgaria, for example, it's pretty high. It seems in like it's... Sofia, it's pretty high, but not in the province, you know. Mm -hmm. In the countryside, you'll very rarely encounter um, a young person who has never been abroad and they speak fluent English. Mm -hmm. that, that is very rare. 
let alone women. Yeah, yeah. Women, I mean, women from the countryside here, they speak some English because they, they have um, learned it either in high school or at a language school or from TV, but it will never be fluent. Mm -hmm. And so the good news about the languages thing is that you do not need to become fluent in uh, Portuguese or Spanish or whatever you elect to. Or Japanese. Yeah. If you have basic competency in a language, you'll be able to court a woman part of the way. And then as you spend more time together, you will rapidly learn her, you'll, you'll rapidly become fluent in her language. So it's not like you need to become as competent as you are in English to, you know, make a multicultural, multilingual relationship work, but you do need to have a language that you share. Otherwise, or, it's pointless. Or in our case, the husband can become fluent in her language, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... It's going to happen eventually, one day. Okay. Well, he's getting there, guys. He's getting there. He's just a little shy. Slowly. Rome was not built in a day, you know. Okay. So next, I have a section entitled, Can't Buy Me Love. Counterintuitively, assuming that when you go abroad, you're not just hiring prostitutes, there's often an inverse correlation between how much money you have and the success that you experience in finding love abroad. I know, a bit counterintuitive, right? One of the most pernicious myths about women that we need to take a little while here to disabuse you of is that women are just into guys with money. So as a red-pilled man, you're probably a red-pilled man if you're listening to this. If not, we're gonna, we're gonna make you one. As a red-pilled man, you should have some cursory understanding of women's dual mating strategy. And as a red-pilled woman, I think you know a bit about this. You understand it, right? Oh, yeah. You're going to talk about the lover's game and the provider's game. That's right. Mm -hmm. And how does this work a little bit, if you can describe it? So... The lover is not a provider, and the provider is just a provider, like financially providing things. And the lover is not providing anything else but sex. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe a little bit more than sex, like excitement, right? Yes, excitement is very, very important. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the lover's game. But the provider, uh, the provider lacks excitement, mm -hmm. usually. So women do, they, women want both. Women are attracted to both. Exactly. Um, you'll find there's a bit of, and this varies a bit from culture to culture. If you are in a very cosmopolitan, uh, major Western city, the women are almost totally just going to be into lovers. Having a quote unquote lover game is what is what's going to get you uh, laid in these sorts of places, frankly. But if you are in more illiberal places, women are going to be a bit more attracted to 
provider behavior a bit more a bit more attracted to it and importantly i don't think that women are bad for liking lovers for being uh for being for succumbing to lovers i don't think that's wrong the the lover provider dynamic this is not a i'm not throwing moral scorn on women and saying that they are bad because of this this is just the way that this is just the result of biology this is just the result of genetics this is the way that the world is so instead of you know being sad about it instead of bemoaning it like you see some guys out there we kind of just need men just kind of need to account for it right mm-hmm. and so a lot of men will foolishly try to use their money and resources to appeal to women. They will. And they will. and it'll work. Oh yes. Um but it's it's a bad way to go about doing it. And you can use what I kind of term as lover game to appeal to women. Women. And this is why I think that our character Steve is going to do a whole lot better finding love, finding a relationship abroad because he's a, he's a good-looking guy. He has a he has a decent personality. He's kind of fun and that is what's going to I think be more effective hooking women. Go ahead. I just wanted to ask you as the author of the story about Steve's patience. Is he a patient guy? Patient? Yes. Oh, I didn't really cover that in there. I would say No, no, he's not a patient guy. Oh he's, no, he's not going to work. He's not going to do good in Colombia then because they're super flaky and they make you wait for them on a date for like an hour or two. Ah, uh, yes, yes, this happened to me. <laughs> this happened to me. So perhaps perhaps a little bit of patience. But uh, the point about Steve A little bit. The point about Steve in the story is that he has some standards with women. He goes on a date with a terrible woman and then he ejects from the date. He doesn't he doesn't put up with her, right? And so this is the sort of thing. This is a uh, lover behavior. This is what's going to get you ahead. And so when we first met, what kind was I? You were super flaky. Super flaky. Yes. So a lover right you're arrogant you're cocky uh but you're super interesting super interesting yeah and also exciting right a little bit yeah i think i was pretty exciting more than that you are interesting okay and also a great dancer <laughs> like my my dancing skills they you know they they got they got part of the job done didn't they let's be honest my dancing skills they're pretty you know they're pretty irresistible aren't they i have to say that you really know some good moves okay thank you thank you so yeah what in our situation i definitely started uh, the relationship as a lover with all, with all sorts of classic lover behavior and over time what i did was made that transition to being a provider you know now i will buy you groceries, I'm paying your cell phone bill, I sit down and listen to your feelings on all sorts of things, right? Yeah, like, you provide on all kinds of level. And and it's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure to do so. You know, there I is, also provide for you on many levels. Yes, yes. Oh, the coffee. The coffee that you make, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
It is an unequaled cup of steaming joe that you provide me every morning. Mm-hmm. However, if I... So what, what you want to do, this is the golden rule of, of dealing with women, I would say, is that you can transition from lover to provider over time, but it's damn near impossible to transition from provider to, to lover. And if you start a relationship trying to impress a girl with your, with your resources, with telling her how rich you are, with telling her that you're going to rescue her from her poor country and move you into the comfort of a richer country. If you start the relationship by buying her things, by sending her tons and tons of gifts, by uh, bragging about your resources, she is going to put you into that provider box. And in that provider box, you will be stuck, my friend. And so it's a whole lot better to start off uh, as a lover. And in the book and in the chapter, I delve a whole lot further into that because you may be a guy that's, that's naturally a bit more inclined to be a provider. Kind of like me, you know, I I came from a nuclear household. My parents were fairly traditional Christian kind of people, you know, a nice, nice American family, right? And I was certainly, I certainly had the, the inclination to be a provider. But over time, I learned to be a lover. And I, I tried you to... used to be a jerk. A jerk. Mm-hmm. I was never that much of a jerk. I don't think. You are kind of a jerk. Okay. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. You're probably right about that. Mm-hmm. Can I give them a piece of advice? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So if you decide to be flaky with a foreign girl, just don't overdo it. Because at some point she'll get sick of it and she'll dump you. Yeah. I almost dumped Jonathan, but... He learned his lesson and he stopped being flaky. Mm-hmm. I, I had a couple of like romantic moves, you know, like I showed up at your work that one time mm-hmm. just randomly yes. and talked you into continuing to date me despite my flakiness. Well, and, then, and, then, and then I cut down on my flakiness also. He stopped being flaky altogether. Mm-hmm. He didn't cut down. He stopped being flaky because I had said to myself, one more time and we're done. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you did it one more time, but it was pretty understandable because I knew the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but not not anymore. I mean, he only did it like once, once again, and it was further into the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I just I just ignored it. Okay. So let's talk but about. That's a warning. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about living in her country. If you are genuine in your intention for a real relationship with a real woman... You need to know the laws. The laws, yeah. That, yeah, the law. That's very important. But, 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 but... Mm -hmm. You'll have to consider living in her country. First of all, so you're looking at, you know, dating, marrying abroad. You, of course, want the best foreign lady that you can in terms of beauty, youth, personality, and values. And and here's the truth. The creme de la creme of 
marriageable women are not the ones who will be in a big hurry to pack up, leaving their lives, their homeland behind. The decent kind of person that you want as a partner in life is the woman who loves her family, her friends, her pets maybe, and who isn't looking to abandon them. So the women who are going to need rescuing from their country are are often going to be not quite as attractive. They're going to be maybe women that other guys didn't want to marry, so that's why they're single. Or they are going to be looking to escape their really dysfunctional family dynamics. And they are, of course, going to drag those dysfunctional family dynamics right into your life, even if you bring her all the way back to Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) They will probably come with baggage. And these kind of women, they may also, if they need rescuing, they may like literally need rescuing from like violent gangs and psychopathic babies, daddies. These are not really the kind of women that we want. So you need to give some consideration to living in her country. And this is why you want to be a little bit more selective about uh, about the country that you go to find women. That if, if you're saying like, well, that country is a total shithole. I would never want to live there. But, you know, oh boy, the women are so hot and, you know, so interested in me. That might not be the best strategy. If you have much experience in the quote-unquote developing world, if you're a guy who's traveled much, and if you've gotten acquainted with the expat communities there, then you'll have noticed what I've noticed, which is that beautiful, educated, classy local ladies, the the kind that you're after, the kind that you're interested in, these ladies are often the girlfriends or wives of a cool American or English guy that live there permanently, whether it's uh, Argentina, Poland, or the Philippines. And so if that's the kind of woman you want, that's the kind of guy you should be. That's the kind of guy I am. And you need to consider living in her country. And you're, so yeah, you're, you're going to have to, I know some of, some of those of you out there are saying, oh my gosh, like, leaving my, like, I got a job, I got an apartment, a car, I got stuff, I got obligations in my country. You got that, a dog. A dog, <laughs> yeah, maybe a dog. That's a huge, that's kind of a huge deal. And so you'll have to kind of make a, a sober decision about this. Uh, it's a momentous decision of saying, you know, maybe if you've been single for years or decades in your country, you're going to have to look at the opportunity cost of all that time spent lonely and without the kind of woman that you want in your life and ask if that's worth if that's worth making that big move. And so for me, you know, that was the decision that I had to make. And Bulgaria is a pretty great country. We have fast Wi-Fi here. The food is great. The people are pretty nice. The weather is great. Um, it's a safe country. The economy and the infrastructure is not hit terrible here. And then, you know, I found you and you're the, the best woman I've ever met. Oh, out of, thank you. Out of thousands and thousands and thousands that I've met. So I 
made that decision that I would, you know, give up my American entitlements to uh, the convenience of ordering whatever I wanted off Amazon and taking an Uber around conveniently and, you know, going hunting bears with an AR-15. Bears? I had to give up, yeah, terrifying bears. Sweet Jesus, no, bears are not terrifying. Bear, have you met a bear? I don't think so. I would love to meet a bear. I consider it the duty of every red-blooded armed American to, you know, you know, give those bears what they deserve. To give them a... Some con- honey. A, I contend it's a kinetic dose of lead. No, 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 no. Some honey. Bears don't deserve anything but honey. Those bears look like they've got a lead deficiency towards me. No, 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 no. They look like they have honey deficiency. Good hunting, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I have explained to you that bears only attack when they feel threatened. Have you seen the movie Revenant? Oh, John. I'm going to sit her down and show her... Leonardo what, DiCaprio? I'm going to sit her down and show her what bears are really about. Okay. Like, like Leonardo DiCaprio dressed up like a bear. Okay. Moving on to the next really important point. And what is it? Do not pay an online marriage or matchmaking agency. That's right. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. So in, no. in our stories, we've got Barry... And he does what a lot of guys do starting their journey looking at exotic foreign women. He starts online and he starts by Google searching uh, Ukrainian women. And so, of course, he comes across these really seductive websites, which you land on these websites and they portray a bevy of uh, enticing JPEGs of Really, really sexy Ukrainian women. And you say, and, and the, the guy who doesn't know better is going to say to himself, oh my gosh, wow, really, all these women are on this website just waiting to, to meet a guy like me and perhaps marriage a guy like me? They look like hookers. A lot of them look like, a lot of them look like total hookers. Uh, we'll link in the chapter to a couple Very of these. Very cheap hookers. We'll link it to a couple of these websites. And yeah, a lot of the women just look like porn stars or they look like they look like models. And if it if it seems to be seems to be too good to be true, it is because these websites are they'll display a lot of third party credibility, but these websites are almost categorically scam operations. And what they do is you join these websites and you create a a profile for yourself, similar to a lot of dating websites. And then you start to reach out and contact these different uh, women who are on the website, apparently. And they charge you something like $10 per message back and forth with these women. Uh, Ostensibly, this $10 fee is for translation because they say, well, these women are in Russia or Ukraine, so they don't speak English and we need to have a proper translation done of your messages back and forth. And we got to charge you $10 for that guy. And this is almost totally just a big scam. Very few of these women, well, actually, I'm not certain. It is uncertain how many of these women are real and how many of these women are just 
are, are just uh, bots, basically, that are set up by these websites. And then they have a big team of people typically there in like the Ukraine that are working, that are pretending to be these beautiful women. And these companies, these quote unquote agencies use very, very sophisticated uh, psychological manipulation techniques to keep guys hooked on these women. Oh geez, John, tell them about that guy who spent like uh, three hundred something thousand dollars yeah that's right so guys will waste an astounding amount of money money messaging back and forth with these women there's a youtube video and i do link to it in there's an interview that i link to in the show notes of this chapter of a guy and he doesn't seem like a total idiot he seems like a a professional sharp kind of guy not very sharp obviously uh, uh naive uh, a very naive guy, and he ended up getting scammed for $300,000 by this fantastically beautiful woman who was actually a, an Instagram model, a Russian Instagram model. Uh, you're going to want to go and check out her photos because you'll go and look at her photos and you'll say she has uh, over a million followers. What was her name again? That's right. Yeah, she had over a million Instagram followers. And apparently this woman is just making bank by pretending that she's willing to marry American guys on these dating websites. And so she is not actually talking to guys on these websites. They've got uh, chat room operators that are pretending to be her that are carrying on uh, romances online romances with these guys. And then the really uh, insidious, insidiously tricky thing that they are doing is she creates all these little vlogs, all these little video messages just with her smartphones. And she says, oh, hey, Anthony, baby, thank you for the iPhone that you just sent me. I'm, I can't wait to meet you. You know, uh, maybe next year, next year, I can't wait to meet you next year, baby. Okay, I'm going to the gym now. And so the guy is like, well, it must be her because she's sending me little video chats and uh, the she's she's gorgeous. And so he's thinking with the brain in between his legs, not in between his head. What about that two engagement rings that he sent her? Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. And so then you'll see... Certainly diamond rings. Uh, there's different documentaries on the subject of the marriage agencies. And so you can see that these guys end up spending uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. There's this hilarious... Well, it's it's sad, It's but it's hilarious to everyone else because of how absurd it is, there's this guy, Bobby Lincoln, who ends up spending $10,000 speaking with a woman, and then he goes to meet her, and then she's disinterested in him, and she is probably not even the woman portrayed in the photos that he spent $10,000 messaging back and forth with. So these agencies are, it's, it's almost categorically, uh, they are just big ass scams. That's true. I, I agree wholeheartedly. You can also find these documentaries on YouTube. Uh, very, very amusing documentaries. We watched several of these and they were a great laugh of American or Western guys going on the love tours overseas. 
And so they go on these trips and they go and meet a bunch of women overseas. And it appears in these documentaries, you can see that there's these guys who are, a lot of them are uh, pretty unattractive. A lot of them are pretty socially awkward. And a lot of them do totally strike out in finding love. But you'll see that I don't know, what did it seem like in the documentary? It seemed like maybe one out of five guys that would go on those trips or whatever. Maybe 20%, maybe 10% of the guys did end up meeting a woman, falling in love, and getting married, right? I think only one did. There was, I saw a couple. There was a couple guys that I saw that ended up like having a real relationship as a result of yeah, these. Yeah, maybe two, maybe two. And so... It does, if you're willing to get off your couch, get off the computer and get on an airplane and go to another country, this can work. It, you can make the magic happen. I would urge guys, instead of paying for these love tours, to do a DIY love tour, which is kind of doing what I did, which is going, I was a digital nomad, so I guess what I did is kind of different, but taking several months and going and visiting another country, going and renting like an Airbnb apartment there or renting a flat there and going out there and meeting women. And the uh, greatest predictors of your success in finding love, it's going to be playing the numbers game and it's going to be proximity. And if you look at these DIY, if you look at these documentaries about the love tours that guys are paying thousands and thousands of dollars for, that's what they have, is they have, they're meeting hundreds of women and they are in close proximity. They're uh, getting the chance to meet and talk to tons of women. And so they end up finding one that they click with and some of them, 10%, 20%, maybe a third of them, end up uh, finding love, getting laid, getting a girlfriend at least. And so that's what you really need if you're going to do a DIY love tour, uh, important point is that this is something, if you're going to do a DIY love tour, importantly, don't treat it like a vacation. Treat it like a serious job or crucial mission demanding planning, discipline, and execution. So as I said, I've been living abroad, traveling for eight years now, and what I come across continually, seen it so many times, is young single guys that are traveling that are hoping to meet women. Some of them are really, you know, some of them, that's their reason for traveling is they want to meet women. They love to get a girlfriend, but they are acting like they're on vacation and they are just sitting around, playing on their smartphones, and they are doing touristy stuff, and they're doing a lot of drinking, and they're spending a lot of time hanging out with the other foreigners and travelers there, which are like 60, 70, 80% other guys that are kind of doing the same thing, and they don't get anywhere. They don't end up uh, actually getting a girlfriend. A lot of times they don't even actually end up getting laid, uh, even when the ostensible purpose of their trip is to, you know, go and sample the, the foreign anatomy in another country, right? Well, so, baby, touristy stuff is important when you are in another country. Yeah, 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 yeah. But a lot of these guys are not, they're not taking the meeting girls thing seriously. 
they're not applying discipline properly. And so they get the results that they deserve as a result. So... Yeah, but going to see Sagrada Familia while you're in Barcelona is not a bad thing. Uh, yeah, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. Next time, next time. Proxima vez. Proxima vez. Conmigo. Contigo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need to make it a... If you're going to do a DIY love tour, you want to... Let's say you're going to do a two-week DIY love tour. I'd actually suggest doing longer than that. But let's say you've got like two weeks to visit, say, Odessa, and then you're going to spend two weeks in Kiev, and then maybe you're going to go over to Warsaw for two weeks. You're going to want to make it your goal to meet 200 women over the course of two weeks. And I did the math on this, and it comes out to seven women a day. And so that's actually going to take quite a bit of, that's going to take some discipline. Like you're going to be like out there on your feet. You're going to be working. Go ahead. Okay. Does it count also the sales girls at the store? <laughs> okay. Or at the train station or... You know? I would say that totally counts if he goes and approaches them and makes conversation and introduces himself. Okay. Okay. Even if... He doesn't ask them out? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to ask out every single woman. I mean, a lot of women have boyfriends or husbands. You, you don't want to ask them out. Okay. Does it count if she's overweight? Sure, or, sure. Or if she's uh, not in his age age range? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. He okay j- so she can be a baba. A baba, yeah, sure. If he wants to go and practice his Russian with a baba, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Try it out. You know, she probably has a cute granddaughter, so mm-hmm. why not? It could, it could really pay off. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, you're gonna want to get out there and do some day game. You know, you've got. Don't spend your morning sitting around on your laptop looking at the news. Get out there and. Do some day game. Go out there to, in the evenings, in the early evenings, go to the meetups and the mixers in town and get out there and start shaking hands and meeting women. And then in the evening, go and hit up the nightlife. Try to get in seven women a day. And you're, it's going to be a bit of work, you know. You're going to be need to be uh, eating right. You're going to need to take your vitamins, take your nootropics when you're out there. You're going to need to keep your alcohol consumption moderate so that you're going to need to get good sleep so that you have the energy level to do this. But it's very doable. And if you're getting in seven women a day, that is really going to add up. And you will probably get laid in all likelihood. You have a real decent chance of actually landing a girlfriend if you're meeting that many women and you you're going to have a decent chance of you know maybe one of those relationship you know having some continuity to it uh, especially if you're in you know one of these illiberal places that I talked about so that's kind of the the DIY love tour and in the chapter boy I've got a lot of a lot of other pointers on that and a lot of other ideas and strategies on it but I don't quite have the time to get into that with this podcast so I will okay and yes the other commandment of dating foreign women abroad is do not send money to a girl before you meet her 
Some guys, for some reason, they think it's a good idea to chat with women on the internet in a country that they plan on visiting in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and then send her money either as a gift or because the woman says that there's some damsel in distress episode and her mother needed to go to the hospital and she really just needs a extra equivalent of $50 from you transferred via Western Union. And this is all crap. This is all going to just about guarantee that you don't meet her or that you get put right into that provider box where the relationship is going to either not happen or you're going to be uh, denied sex for six months. So, Or it might be a scam. Yeah, yeah. Or in all likelihood, it's just a scam. So please, please don't do that, guys, because it just, it never works out well. And I think we'll move towards the conclusion here, which, and this is an important point. This is the point that I want to leave you with on this topic, which is that the opportunity with the dating abroad and finding a foreign girlfriend, finding a foreign wife, this opportunity is sunsetting. I'll make the case that the curtain is being drawn on the golden age of dating abroad and easily finding a beautiful and dutiful foreign wife. And here's why. Globalism makes everywhere more like everywhere else. As globalism homogenizes the world's cultures, going on a date with a 24-year-old girl in Odessa, Ukraine, is going to become more and more like going on a date with a 24-year-old girl in Orange County, California. As the years and decades pass, while the typical 24-year-old Ukrainian girl's accent won't change much, what is in her heart and mind will. Her value system and beliefs about life will be increasingly defined by the Hollywood movies and Netflix shows beamed into her country. She'll want a quote-unquote empowering career as a cubicle-constricted corporate wage slave more than she'll want children. She'll be, in a, she'll be in a big hurry to get on birth control and move far away from her family to a soulless economic powerhouse megacity somewhere. She'll satisfy her need for male validation by posting sexy Instagram photos of herself instead of by finding a good man and serving him. She'll engage in risky, casual sex with random men that she finds exciting instead of waiting for commitment. She will no longer attend Orthodox church service sporadically the way her parents did, but she'll be spiritual and not religious, just like the California girl is. So make no mistake, from Colombia to Ukraine, the attractive, family-minded, eager-to-marry girl that you dream about, she is an endangered species in the crosshairs of globalism. So a couple other points. There's a... Actually, I think the, the economic thing, I'll leave that to discuss later. I do want to talk about 
Colombia and Ukraine, because these are probably the two most popular countries that guys go to. And Thailand. Yeah, uh, yeah Thailand, Thailand, Philippines, Colombia, Ukraine. These are like the four countries that, at least on the internet, they these countries are the marriage agencies out there are doing this tremendous job of marketing the women of these countries. And so that is, of course, that is making them be played out. Uh, so what you have now, I lived in Medellin for about three years and I lived in Kiev for six months, about. Well, I spent a little bit of time in Odessa also. And these two countries, because they do have beautiful women because they are a bit illiberal and because of this huge marketing machine of these marriage agencies online, these two countries just have flight after flight of Western men arriving there that are coming <laughs> for the same reason that you are would want to go to these countries. They have men that are going there. Most of the men are... Uh, what I would call love tourists, who are men that uh, they're traveling and they just want to go to a cool country and hook up with the hot chicks there and do some partying there. Maybe they want to try the drugs there. There's a lot of these love tourist types. There's a lot of digital nomad types who are location independent online business owners or online laborers that are traveling there to spend a couple of months. And they are almost always single guys that want to hook up with girls. And then you have the rank sex tourists, the guys that are just coming there to bang the uh, sometimes uh, disturbingly cheap hookers in these places. And so you are competing with all of these guys going to these places. And about, oh geez, what was it? Maybe, I think it was maybe six years, six or seven years ago now, when I first arrived in Colombia, I was actually the f the very first gringo that some Colombian girls ever met in their whole life. We were uh, we were a bit more rare there at that time. But at this point because of the globalization, because of the cheap flights, because of the uh, rise of social media perhaps, these places are becoming really really popular. And so when you go to these countries, you're losing your a bit of the novelty that you have as a Westerner. The cute girl that you're going to meet there who's a university student who speaks a little bit of English, she's just not going to be quite so uh, intrigued by you as a foreigner because she's already <laughs> she's already met a hundred other guys like you going to language exchanges or whatnot. So the... Yeah, the the opportunity, the window on those countries is uh, the opportunity is not quite as sweet anymore. So that's why I urge men to take a look at that big list of other countries that I have there in this chapter and go and try out one of those other countries. You know, if you're if you're kind of an adventurous guy and you're like, you know, I want to go somewhere that's really off the beaten path and try to meet a woman and I'm willing to, you know, rough it a little bit, then, you know, hey, maybe go to Chisinau, Moldova. And I have spent, um, I think, two or three days in Chisinau, Moldova. And boy, they had really pretty girls there, uh, dressed elegantly. Uh, some of them spoke English. They were nice. They were excited to meet me. So 
maybe go and hit that place up because I tell you, there are not a lot of other guys that are that are flying in there to try to to try to you know be a conquistador of love like you. So you want to broaden broaden your scope a bit more like that. And so I uh, I I urge you to take some action on this. You know, if you're a kind of guy that's thinking, you know, well, my prospects for a girlfriend here in Melbourne, boy, they're not looking great. I just can't quite seem to meet a nice girl here in Melbourne or Liverpool or wherever you are in the Western world. But you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm... I'm just going to focus on my career a bit more to use that classic excuse that men and women use to avoid, you know, pursuing with gusto their genetic destiny. They say to themselves, I just need to get established a bit more in my career. And then once I've got a bit more money, a bit more uh, respectable resources behind me, then you know what I'll do is I'll go and I'll uh, go and meet a nice girl out there in Colombia or Philippines or Poland or wherever. You know, in a couple of years, boy, I'm going to be a real economic winner. And then, oh boy, then, you know, those those Ukrainian girls, they just won't be able to resist me then. And I, I urge you not to procrastinate on this issue because, again, the factors of globalism are killing this particular opportunity. And um, I am so happy to have found you in this crazy world. Likewise, Tom. Thank you. You know, and I really, uh, we have such joy and meaning that we found in each other. And I really do wish that to the other guys that are out there that may be listening to this. And there are a lot of, you know, don't uh, become too cynical. There are a lot of really great women that are out there. There are millions and millions and millions, uh, perhaps dozens of millions, perhaps hundreds of millions of uh, attractive, decent women that are out there that are in these poorer countries where a lot of times there's a, a factor where the young men move out of these countries because young men are naturally more ambitious. Young men want to go and live, want to go and move to an economic powerhouse center. And so there actually does end up being in a lot of these countries an asymmetry between young men and young women, where, for example, in Ukraine, you get more young Ukrainian women there than young men. And so that means that the women there, they give a damn about their appearance and they try a bit harder to, uh, to, to, you know, to impress a man. And, you know, that's something that is worth, that's something that's worth going after. That's something where you're, you will always have the opportunity to make money. There's, there's always going to be career opportunities. There's always going to be opportunity to work out there. You know, nobody, almost nobody on their deathbed says to themselves, boy, you know, I wish I had just worked a little bit harder. I wish I had just, you know, I wish I had, you know, put in more Saturdays and Sundays working. Almost nobody says that on their deathbed. On their deathbeds, people say, you know, I wish I had prioritized family a little bit more because that's real meaning. And that's the, that's the actual legacy in a very real way that I leave behind in the world. And so I would urge, I would urge everybody out there to, to try to take action on this, 
right away. Don't procrastinate another year on this. Try to make, if, if the finding and courting and romancing and maybe marrying a foreign woman, if that's something that you could see yourself doing, try to make some progress on that. Yeah, but John, you always say that people should marry their own, their own people and that we are kind of an exception. Yeah, yeah. We're a bit, we're a bit of an exception to that. And I, in the book, okay, this is a nuanced point that people have to read the book together is there are going to be, even if you're in the USA, even if you're in England, there are good, decent, family-minded, attractive, youngish, younger women that you, that would make good partners for you in these countries. And it's going to take you doing some personal development. It's going to take you looking in some places that you might not think to look to meet those kinds of women and to be attractive to those kind of women and to court those kinds of women. And the book, we will be delving into a lot of that kind of stuff. But yeah, this chapter is for, you know, guys that are interested in meeting foreign women. So mm-hmm. we're yeah, going to, yeah, yeah. we're going to, we're going to try to address it thoroughly there. Okay. So I will finish. Here's from the conclusion of the chapter. I sometimes half joke that in 20 years, I'll have a son. We'll have a son, hopefully. Are we going to talk about Romanovka? Yes. Oh my goodness. And so in 20 years, he'll be a young adult, ready to go off into the world and meet exotic to him girls. But by the year 2040, even the girls of Colombia and Ukraine will be purple-haired, liberal, feminist, mental health head cases. So I'll have to sit him down and say to him, son, I know that you want a traditionally minded girl. I taught you to disregard these foolish liberal girls who are good for sex and nothing else. And it's become damn near impossible to find real conservative girls here where we live. But good news, I found an impoverished little Belarusian village named Romanovka. It's a real place. You can go and look it up. I linked to it in the chapter. Real place out there. So Romanovka. And it's in the middle of nowhere, near the border with Ukraine. According to my demographic analysis, there's an abundance of young women there. And all the men, all the young men have moved away because there are no jobs at all. Fortunately, The village never got the internet because the Chernobyl fallout blocks the 5G signals. So you can just imagine, son, there are farmer's daughters there who have just read their Bibles and tended to the farm duties their whole lives instead of becoming Instagram hoes. So you'll have to hike through the Chernobyl exclusion zone to reach the town as there's no highway connecting it to the rest of the world. And I'll give you plenty of potassium iodide so that you can hopefully survive the radiation. But you'll uh-huh. also but you'll also face terrifying mutant bears and wolves in those woods. Better bring your AR15, right? And no, it'll be a harrowing journey, son, but Romanovka is the last place on this planet that has any beautiful, decent, 
illiberal women left. The farmer's daughters there may be slightly irradiated, but still better than dating a modern woman, right? They'll practically be lining up for the chance to marry you and bear your children. So the final point... They I will have, probably have hooves. Hooves. No, 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 no. They'll have elegant little feet like yours. Of course. Mm. Okay. The final point I hope to drive home here is if you want a great woman as your partner in life, stop procrastinating. Between 2008 and 2012, when I lived in Denver, Colorado, I went out to nightclubs weekly and I met shockingly few women who were even girlfriend material. In 2017, I was fortunate to meet a marriageable girl to meet wife material, that would be you, in a nightclub here in Sofia, Bulgaria. The marriageable girl is a rare bird being pushed to extinction. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to get to find one, and the further you are going to have to go. Globalism is doing its damnedest to poison every single young lady on this planet with toxic industrial chemicals that will make her fat and with toxic liberalism that will make her insufferable. So please don't wait, guys, until Romanovka, Belarus, is the last place left to go to find an attractive, traditionally-minded girl. So that is the chapter Dating and Marrying an Exotic Foreign Woman. And again, that is from my book. It's going to be coming soon. It might be available by the time that you are listening to this. So you're going to want to go and pick it up either on Amazon or I will make it available on LimitlessMindset.com. I like my other book. I will probably make it a dollar cheaper there on LimitlessMindset.com and I'll have it available in the EPUB and Mobi versions so that you can read it on like a Kindle device if you want to or you can just get the Kindle app on like a iPad, on a smartphone or whatever and you can read it that way. And I look for, this is a thorough podcast addressing this subject. And so I do look forward to your comments. I would say I'm willing to field questions on this topic. Me and you do Q&A podcasts on all sorts of topics related to the life hacking and the biohacking. So if you guys have got questions, well, first of all, I would actually urge you to just go and read the book, but I'd be willing to field those questions. So you can send those questions into me at jr at limitlessmindset.com and we will try to address them in future Q&A episodes. But I think you guys are really gonna love the book. I'm really happy with the cover that we got done this week. So please do go and check that out as it's in the link there below wherever you're listening to this podcast. And again, I'm Jonathan. And I just want to say something, John, you don't give me the opportunity. That you should do that. You should definitely check out the book because it's written very salaciously, first of all. <laughs> and then it's very, um, very elaborate. 
very um okay what what what, what? it's it's engrossing okay it's engrossing jonathan is a brilliant writer as Thank we you. all know as we all know and of course i don't think i got the chance to say what kind of an amazing husband he is okay okay and how sweet he is and even though he appears tough he's actually very very gentle right yeah and he's just everything a woman can ask for <laughs> you know what okay so if you are such kind of guy you will get a really good wife if you want and if you're not if you're not a man equal to the terms that my wife has just described me in, then then you, sir, need to do more nootropics, which you can learn more about at LimitlessMindset.com. Yes, so, Jonathan is the guy that you should go to if you have whatever questions about nootropics. So we look forward to a continued conversation with you.